You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. For a little more than two years, I've been doing this podcast. And for a year and a half of that, I've been following and listening to Hall of Fame podcaster Dave Jackson. He and I sit down today to talk about how and why you can be a podcaster too. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Why I'll Never Make It, a podcast featuring insightful stories and conversations with fellow artists on the realities of working in the entertainment industry. Now, I'm your host, Patrick Oliver-Jones, and to find more episodes of Why I'll Never Make It or to get in touch with me, you can go to the website, winmepodcast.com. One of the harsh realities of this business is that we don't always get to do what we want to do. We go in for auditions or we try to do shows and productions that are passion projects of ours, but it's not always in the cards for us to do all the things that we want to do in this business. And so the past few episodes, I've been talking to people who have found other avenues when theater wasn't working for them, things that they could do instead. Well, today I want to talk about doing what I do, and that is podcasting. Now, I am certainly not alone in podcasting. As you've probably noticed over the past two, three years, podcasting has boomed, and there's now over 800,000 podcasts listed in Apple Podcasts, which is basically the gold standard for podcasting. Apple is who started this back whenever they created the iPod, from which we get podcasting. And today, that remains the number one source for listening to podcasts. But within that 800,000 number is actually a much smaller number of those who are actively producing podcasts. Daniel J. Lewis, who is another well-known podcaster in the community, has a show called The Audacity to Podcast. And he recently talked about this 800,000 number and how less than 200,000 of those are actually active and producing podcasts currently. So while there's still a lot of podcasts out there, it's not as daunting a number as you may think. Another way to look at this is the world of blogging. Now, there are millions and millions of blogs out there. However, people start them every day and get to talk about the things that interest them and even along the way make some money doing it. Now, that has never been a focus of mine to make money doing this podcast, although I do hope to one day have it generate enough income to at least pay for itself. One way to do that is through the support and donations I get from listeners like you. And another way to do that will be in the future when I have sponsorships or those who want to advertise on this podcast. But for now, it's just you and me talking about this business and how we can make it. So Dave agreed to come in and share his insights on podcasting and how we can translate that into the creative world of us actors and directors and dancers and use this medium as a way to further our own craft, but also venture into a new way to express ourselves as artists. Mr. Dave Jackson, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Patrick, I am, uh, see, I will say stoked since we're talking podcast. That seems to be a very good verb in podcasting. I'm stoked to be here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it is such an honor to have you. Uh, I'm sure there are some people that may know you, but uh, a lot are mostly in the arts, and so they may not know your prowess when it comes to to podcasting. And you've really been with it since its infancy, right? You, you've kind of been one of the the forefathers, shall we say. Yeah, I. Uh, some people say because there are what I call OGs are people that started in 2004, and there are you know a handful of those people. And I started in 2005, so it's always funny if I'm sitting at a table and people are like, "Wow, man, you started at the very beginning." And then uh, Evo Terra, who's a friend of mine, he wrote the book Podcasting for Dummies, and we'll sit down. And I'm like, "Oh, no, I'm not." A, I said because he started in 2004. I said, so. "Right, there's always someone beating us to the punch." <laughs> yeah, but I. I was back when, you know, there was no iPhone, uh, iTunes wasn't 
really supporting podcasting yet. And you'd go up to someone and go, do you listen to podcasts? And they're like, a pod what? So it, it was painful back then. But, uh, but, but now, uh, at least more and more people know what a podcast is. And a lot more people are jumping in the podcasting game. Would you say we're kind of in the golden era of podcasting now? Hmm, that's a great question. Uh, we're really close. It, we are compared to 2005. But we just went over 51% of people who've actually listened to a podcast. I, I forget what the percentage is that they've heard it. Because now you see it, like every news station is like, you know, thanks for watching tonight. Subscribe to our podcast. So I think everybody's heard the word now. And it's just a matter now of getting people to listen. But I, it's funny because there, there have been these booms. Like the first boom was uh, technology because Leo Laporte uh, launched Twit. And you had to be a geek to get into podcasting because it wasn't as easy. And then there was uh, language was a, a second boom. And then came the Mark Marins and the, and the comedians. And then we had Serial, which lost a whole, which is still going on. The whole true crime thing is, is going crazy. And now we're just starting to see a lot more celebrities. I know Conan O'Brien was just on the cover of Variety saying that he's now a pioneer in podcasting. And I'm like, pioneer? pioneer. <laughs> like 15 years later, okay. Uh, so I, I really do expect more kind of booms to come along. I'm not sure what's going to be, you know, the next serial or the big breakout thing, but it just seems like about every five to 10 years, somebody will, will hit a nerve. And I, I know one is Brazil right now is like bubbling. It's just, it's just getting ready to boil. So it's starting to pick up more globally. Right now, um, I have a friend of mine, Elsie Escobar, and she's bilingual. She, she grew up in El Salvador. And she started a podcast about podcasting in Spanish. And with very little promotion, it's just taking off because there's a big Spanish-speaking uh, community that's been waiting for that. So it's interesting just to see, here's another thing. And, ooh, this, I, and, you know, somebody will take, it's a little bit like uh, musicians where if you think about uh, the Beatles, they kind of took a little, a little Richard and a little bit of Elvis, put it together, and, and you get the Beatles and so now people are taking, I'm going to take a little Joe Rogan and mix it with a, a little Mark Maron and, and maybe throw in a dash of this and come up with my own format. Right. And so that's kind of the, the fun thing of seeing people come up with new ways of doing different things. Yeah, I mean, because much like in the theater world, it's about finding a niche, finding a voice that hasn't been heard before and, and putting that onto the stage. And, and so actors, writers, directors, they're always looking for new work to kind of latch on to rather than, you know, revivals are great, but it's right. always nice to be on the forefront of something new. Yeah, and when you see that new thing, you, you, it's always kind of funny when... I don't know, a minute in, you go, wow, this is, this is really different. And I really, really like it. So with all these celebrities, as you were saying, jumping into the fray, is there a place for us little bitty people jumping in and doing podcasting? I think so, because uh, nobody remembers it, but Kathy Lee Gifford used to have a podcast. She tried one once and I never listened to it. I just, I know people that did. Then they said, yeah, it's just not, she doesn't really... She's not really talking to her audience. Most of it was about her, uh, but they weren't very entertaining stories because you think she's got to have tons of stories. I mean, she started on Name That Tune back in the day. Right. There's got to be something. And everybody just said, well, it's her talking about her kids and, you know, this, the kind of the same stuff you get on whatever TV show she's on. And it just was kind of meh. So if I was a huge Kathy Lee Gifford fan, but I don't think it, I think she quit because she didn't get the numbers that she thought she was going to get. I don't know if she went all diva and was like, well, I'm Kathy Lee Gifford. And like, it's like, no, you still have to work to get your audience. So I, I think there is that because there are those um, where radio is kind of broadcasting. And you think about it, it's a little bit like uh, a newspaper. There's the money. You have the money people on the radio. You have the doctors. You have the sports people, of course. And it's a little bit like a radio. It's topics that a broad range of people are going to like. Podcasting is almost the opposite. You have people going hyper-focused. I, I love the guy. He does a show called The Chameleon Breeder. And I'm like, the what? <laughs> and he breeds chameleons. He makes cages for chameleons. So he does this whole thing about chameleons and how to care for them. And I had him on my show. And he said, yeah, my manufacturer has asked me, can you kind of quit mentioning it on the podcast? Because we're having a hard time keeping up with orders. And he was actually going to do that. And I said, no, my friend, you get a new manufacturer. I said, because, you know, or another one or something like that. So uh, there are tons of that. I, I had a client once that did a show called Special Mouse because her 
Sung was pretty high up on the autism spectrum, and she loved Disney. So she knew every in and out. Like she was a total expert guru on how to take people with special needs to Disney. And she didn't have a numbers-wise, she didn't have a huge audience. It was, you know, hundreds of people, not thousands. But the people that found that were like, oh, my gosh, I thought it was the the only person that that felt this way or knew this. And, and she actually still got a sponsor because there was somebody in Florida that specialized in transporting people with special needs. So, I How mean, that? yeah. So, I mean, actors are the only people that know what it's like to be on stage doing a live play and look down and the person in the first row is, you know, texting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you're like, and you're trying to remember your lines and you just want to run down and, and smack them in the face or, you know, so there are those things that only you are going to understand. Uh, one of the things that really just tugged my heart was there's a show called adoptees on, and it's all about, uh, it's for people that were adopted because here again, the only people that understand that are people that have gone through that. Right. And I never realized that there are people that spend years looking for their biological parents only to be rejected again. And I was like, oh, oh, you got to be kidding me. And so they have a Facebook community and they all kind of, you know, they're all talking about being adopted. And I mean, there's all sorts of, we could go on for hours. There's, right, there's yeah. a show I, called uh, Living with Herpes. And that's not typically something you talk about at Thanksgiving. You know, hey, Uncle Joe, you ever had, you know, that usually doesn't uh, right. work. <laughs> Tell me but, your story about herpes. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody here ever had, no? Okay. But um the woman that does that show has, again, she calls it a double secret probation private Facebook group so that people can talk about it because as, as she put it, I thought my life was over. I'll never have sex again. Nobody's ever going to love me. I'll never be married. And she goes, that's absolutely not the truth. And so she said, yeah. I created the podcast to talk to those people that when they hear that phrase, oh, by the way, you have herpes, like they can hear that podcast and go, oh, well, here's how you work around it. So the the fact that you have a niche in whatever you're doing, there are other people that are just like you. And the problem is in many cases, they think they're the only people that feel right. this way, think this way. And all of a sudden you come on board and they're like, oh, holy cow. I, I thought I was the only person in this scenario. So that's really one of the powerful parts of podcasting. That's something that I've come to learn over, especially over the last, I would say, six months as I get a little more engagement with uh, on social media. People are starting to email me and message me directly. And a, a lot of the same themes come up of, I'm glad to know I'm not alone. I'm glad to know I'm not the only one thinking this or feeling this way. Yeah, absolutely. And it's always amazing. The, the reason I really, because people always say, how did you make it through the early days of podcasting when nobody was listening, I said, because I got what my very first piece of voicemail, which was even more exciting. It wasn't just a, an email. It was a voicemail. It was from a guy named Michael Van Lahr in Nuremberg, Germany. And I, I'm not making this up when I say I almost fell out of my chair because at the time I was in like total cow town, Ohio, sitting in my brother's basement next to the water heater. And I'm recording this little radio show. And there's some dude on the other side of the planet that A, found my podcast, and B, liked it. And I just kept hitting play, and I hear, hello, Dave, this is Michael Van Lahr from Nuremberg. And I go, wait, hold on. Hello, Dave, this is Michael Van was, Did he say Nuremberg, Germany? So, and those are those people, again, that you will find, and they're blown away that you're creating this stuff. And now you have uh, an instant connection. You, you mm -hmm. kind of talk to them like they're a long-lost friend because you know that they know that you know that they know, and you can just pick up right where that topic is. That's very true. And, and so if someone is thinking about podcasting, you know, especially in the, in the niche that I have found, the, this theater community, like what questions should they ask themselves? How do they, how can they know that they have what it takes to do this? Well, a lot of it, I just came from a, a big, huge podcast event called Podcast Movement. And I was, as I was talking to people, it seems to be a common theme that I want to serve my audience. I, I want to, or make the world a better place. This one woman does a show about, uh, it's kind of a marriage counseling show, but it's about marriage counseling, not as a couple, but as yourself. And I said, okay. And she was asking me some questions and I said, okay, what's the why? Why are you doing the show? And she said, I want world peace. And I go, okay, that's great. But seriously, why do you want, no, she goes, no, I want world peace. If we all knew how to communicate better, 
and we got along better. Think about that. Not only would marriages get along better, but we might all actually be able to communicate better. And she goes, so my, my goal is world peace. And I go, okay, that's kind of a lofty goal, but we can, we can work with that. So that's part of it. You have to know your why. So if I'm a, if I'm a, a, a coach of some time, maybe I'm coaching singing or I'm coaching acting or directing or whatever it is, it's really great for those people because now all those questions that you get all the time, you know, the ones like, well, how do I get an agent or how do I do this? Or, you know, how do I break into that network or whatever? The ones you're like, oh, if I have to answer this email one more time, those are great episodes. Mm -hmm. So for me, I I get the what microphone to use and I don't mind answering these questions. I get them all the time. Uh, You know, what microphone to use, what web host or what media host to use and, you know, just the same one. So those are great uh, uh, episodes because, you know, people are looking for that content. And so now when somebody emails you and says, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about getting an agent. You can answer that question in email and say, oh, by the way, we actually talked about this on my podcast. Here's the link to the episode. So now not only they get, they get the answer for that question, but they see all the other answers that you get and they go, wow, you really know what you're talking about because you come across as a guru because you've got all this great experience. And they're like, can I hire you as a coach? Uh, so that's that's a great way. I've I've had calls from people. I never will forget a guy. He was uh, driving from Minneapolis to Atlanta and he just called me up and I'm weird. I, <clears throat> I actually have a phone number on my, uh, my website that I will occasionally answer. So I picked up the phone. I go, Hey, this is Dave. And he goes like, Dave, Dave. And I go, yeah, what's going on? What can I he's like, Wow. I was going to leave a voicemail. Never mind. He goes, well, I just want to let you know I'm driving from Minneapolis to Atlanta and I've been listening to you for about the past seven hours and I don't know what I'm going to do with a podcast yet, but you're my guy. And I was like, all right, well, whenever you're ready, I'm ready to go. So <laughs> you start to build that relationship with your, you know, potential audience. Or if you're trying to get a part, maybe, maybe there's a director that's listening to a show about acting or, or theater or things like that. And people tune in for the content, but they actually eventually tune in because they start to get to know you. And because you've kind of revealed your theory on acting or, or your, uh, your routine of, of doing a part or something like that, they might go, why wow, you really like you and I are on the same page. I would love to work with you in the future. Yeah. Believe me, I have certainly thought about that. And, you know, I, I certainly, as you said, I want to serve and I want, and I think about each of you who are listening and kind of the topics, the types of guests that you would want to have. But at the same time, I also think, well, who would I want? Because if, if I would want them, then undoubtedly someone else out there would want to talk to that person and kind of pick their brain on different things. Yeah, that's me. I, I actually kind of, I consider myself my own target audience. So if, if it doesn't energize me, if it's not something I want to talk about, then I'm not really going to do it. I think one of my funniest concerts I've ever been to, I saw Sammy Hagar many, many, many moons ago, pre-Van Halen, and he came out for the encore and played a song by Led Zeppelin, and then he played a song by The Who. And uh, he said, oh, folks, if you're wondering why I'm not playing my stuff, he goes, look, I've been on the road like, whatever, four months, and he goes, if I get bored, you know, we're all screwed. (laughs) (laughs) So I kind of think about that. I I think if we try to talk about something that doesn't really relate to us, I think that's going to come through the mic and the audience. It's like your energy isn't going to be as up, and you're like, all right, today we're going to talk about cheese straighteners. Um, I love cheese straighteners there because oh, whatever, you know, it's like, it's just not going to come through. So would you say that, uh, that podcasting has helped you grow as much as those who listen to it and, and learn from you? Yeah, because what it does is you, you create kind of a time shifted conversation where I will put something out and then I will get feedback from somebody. There's a, a, a guy named Tim. He does the sled dog podcasting and he he always kind of jokes. He goes, look, if you're not living in uh, uh, Michigan or Alaska, you're not listening to my show. But I would put something out and Tim would uh, either send in a voicemail, like a question or a follow-up. I would play his question on my show and then answer it for everybody. And this went on for a good couple of months. And he said, you know, I actually talk to you more than I do my best friend. And he lives like two blocks east. He goes, but it's kind of weird because it's time shifted. And so by getting to know your audience, it gives you a wider perspective of really what they want to talk about and insights and in the process of, in some cases going, Ooh, that's a really good question. Let me go see if I can find that out. Well, now you're kind of this roving reporter 
and you're learning based on what they need. And in some cases you didn't realize it, but I needed to know that mm-hmm. too. Like I've just, uh, probably the last couple of months, I've really been studying story. And it's one of those things I've kind of done inadvertently, but anytime you can work a story into explaining something. So uh, I did an episode, this was probably uh, years ago, but when Muhammad Ali died, um, when I was growing up, Nixon was president and Ali was champ. That was just, those are two constants growing up. And that, there was so much more to that guy than just boxing. Mm-hmm. And if you watch any documentary, wow. And I said, okay, here are like seven things podcasters can learn from Muhammad Ali. And I did that episode and I had so many of my audience say they were kind of my age. They're like, hey, he was my champ too. And I'm really bummed he's gone. And it just, it was a way of sharing a little bit about yourself without like, hey, today we're going to talk about, you know, whatever. But first I want to talk about my French toast recipe because I'm supposed to be talking about myself. That's not going to work. But making a point by telling a story, how it relates to maybe something that happened to you in the past, you're just giving your audience a glimpse of you and they then start to connect with you on a personal level. And so now I'm kind of doing it more purposeful. I'm always looking for, here's a great topic. How can I inject a story into that? And I'm sure as you know, actors, it's all about the story. It's all about the words. So uh, the, the better the story, the better the play, the better the movie, et cetera. Well, I think that's one thing that led me into podcasting to begin with. You know, the first season was me and a friend of mine. We were co-hosting. And basically, we would just bring people on to shoot the breeze. But once once my co-host left, he went on to do other things. And so then it just kind of became mine. I started to really think and I guess personalize the podcast more as as far as what this could be. And and so I tried to really start to dig into the title of it, you know, why I'll never make it, you know, what, what is it that's holding me back? What is it that holds all of us as performers, as, as artists back? When it comes to my dedication as an artist, how can I put that into a podcasting sphere? And like you said, when you, there, there are people that kind of go, well, should I do a, a solo show or should I do an interview show? And I always go, why are you limiting yourself to one or the other? Do both. Because yeah. when you do an interview show, you're broadening your network. And when you do a solo show, the thing I always try to do when I do a solo show, and most of my shows are, are solo, is I talk to one person. I never say things like, hey, you guys, I'm so glad you're here. And hey, everybody, I'm like, I'm so glad you're here. I always right. talk to one person. And it's, it's a subtle thing, but it just makes the audience, because nobody's, it's not like the 1930s where they're all gather around the Victrola to listen to the podcast. <laughs> it's somebody's on the train with a, a set of headphones. And so when I talk to that one person, and it's funny because I hear this over and over when I I go to different events, I always love to go to places where I actually get to meet the people who listen because it's a, I always turn into an instant survey. I always ask them, what do you like about it? And what do you dislike about it? And things like that. But I've had multiple people say, when I listen to your show, I feel like you're talking to me. And I would say that's because I am. And so it's always one person. It's it's subtle, but it it does make a difference because the minute I go, well, you know, if, uh, you know, if everybody would, would do this, everyone listening, if you can go and, and leave a rating and review in iTunes, now I feel like you're talking to a bunch of people standing behind me. I'm, I'm here, but there's a bunch of people. I said, hey, if, if you could do me a favor, it would mean so much to me if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. It doesn't really help me get found, but it's social proof. And that way, if somebody comes up with another actor podcast and they see I have 10 and the other person has two, they might click on mine. It only takes a second. If you're in Apple Podcasts, it's right here. You know, click there. I'm talking to one person. Mm-hmm. So it, it just, it's, it's subtle, but it makes a difference. And we get that from, from radio, uh, the circus, for those, I, you know, uh, old vaudeville, right? Ladies and gentlemen, right? They're talking to a crowd. So I understand where it comes from, but we're no longer in vaudeville or the circus or, you know, radio. Uh, it's, it's now we're talking to one person. Yeah. The, one of the, the big things in, in theater is that, yes, there may be a thousand people sitting out in the house, but it's that, it's that one person who maybe has never seen a show before, never come to live theater. It's that one person who is going through the same struggle your character's going through. It's, it's that one person that we're trying to reach. And yeah. if we reach that one person, then everyone else is going to see that and feel that as well. Absolutely. And that person is then going to go out and tell everybody, 
Have you ever been to live theater? Holy cow, is that an experience? I had not been till about five years ago, and I went, uh, Wicked came to town in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, what? what? You know, and the witches flying around the, the theater. And I was like, wait, are you crazy? It was like, it was amazing. So I now go on a regular basis because there is something about is, as much as, you know, technology and you know, now, now they have holograms of people and stuff like that. There's something when there's a live person on stage and they might, they might forget the words, they might hit a bad note. It's all there. And then when they don't, and it's awesome, you're like, wow, that was, you know, just a magical piece. They're, they're doing it now on TV. They're starting to bring back uh, yeah, yeah, all live, the live shows, all the live stuff. Yeah. And it was funny because the last one they did, uh, it wasn't a musical, but they did a remake of uh, uh, all in the family, the old Archie bunker thing. Oh, and, right. and Jamie Foxx played, uh, uh, I forget the guy, George Jefferson. And it was funny because in the middle of it, he flubbed a line and he just rolled with it and said something like, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, hey, it's live. All right, we'll do it again. And just just kind of pretended like it didn't happen. And it was funny because the rest of it broke the rest of the cast. Then they were trying to like, because he's Jamie Foxx, he's going to make, you know, it's a joke out of it. But I was like, yeah, that's the joy of live. You never know when, you know, a, a wheel might, uh, somebody might take a little tangent and let's see what happens to the rest of the crew. Right, exactly. And that actually brings me to another form of podcasting that is starting to happen with, with the, uh, I guess, taking a cue from the radio dramas back in the day mm-hmm. of, of doing more theatrical presentation. How is that taking off and being received in the podcasting world? It's one of those things I went to PodCon in Seattle, and this was a, an event really based around a lot of fictional stories. And I had I, I'd never even heard the phrase um, cosplay. And I walk right. in and there's people dressed up and, you know, they look like elves and stuff. And I'm like, what's going on? And like, oh, it's from Welcome to Nightville. And I'm like, what? You know, and I felt like uh, Dorothy opening the door from black and white into color. I was like, wait, what? What? And it's like there's a whole other huge bubble of people that not only listen to these shows, but they're like, oh, I can't wait for the next episode. Um, I, I know Sarah from, uh, I think it's just girl in space. He said, looking at his laptop. Yes. Girl in space. Um, and she started off doing all the voices herself and she actually records like her own, like if she needs a sound effect of clothes moving, she just, you know, does a sound effect of clothes moving, um, and all sorts. Of, and so it's a huge amount of work, but it goes back to the days and I, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to guess the 20s, whenever the whole Orson Welles thing and the War of the Worlds, mm-hmm. you know, it, it really, it, it doesn't just spark the theater of the mind. It, it throws gas on that and lights it on fire. And it can be really amazing. That's the good news is, the bad news is it takes a lot of work. And I didn't realize, I just heard an interview with Sarah on Better Podcasting. And I didn't realize what went into that is she actually does like casting, like she'll cast actors and she actually makes them sign a contract because, you know, you can't be halfway through a production and go, ah, I don't want to do this anymore. It's like, no, no. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, we have three more episodes with your character. We need to keep you. <laughs> yeah. If you're not going to stick around, okay, we'll kill you off in the last episode, but <laughs> you know, something. Uh, and I just didn't realize, but there is a, a group of people that are really now, uh, you know, cause the way I, I don't want to go too serious here, but the way the world is, sometimes it can be a little daunting, all the, the news, if you watch it and, you know, and sometimes it's great just to have something just to strictly entertain you. And then of course, a lot of these, they make you think, you know, mm-hmm. if you think about, if we go back to, you know, the original Star Trek, I'm dating myself, but all those had some sort of social theme to them. And that's what a lot of these are as well. They're, they're making a point through, storytelling and, and fiction and sound effects to make a point with which it's kind of fun because you you get sucked into the story and all of a sudden you're like hey i learned something i didn't i didn't plan on doing that so uh yeah i i'm i'm not personally it's not a, that i'm not a fan i'm just more of a non-fiction person but when i listen to them i'm like oh holy cow this is it's amazing because there are people that you know they really use the stereo spectrum and, and it really does feel like you're you're right there with those people it's basically one step away from film the only thing you're missing is the visual aspect and all that tech that goes with that but otherwise the technology of the sound and the casting and the script writing it's it, it becomes a big production yeah and so uh sarah from girl in space i would think for her it's got to be beyond rewarding uh to because as an artist the one thing you want is people to consume your art 
And so I always love people like, well, I'm a songwriter. Oh, cool. Sing me a song. Oh, I don't want to. I'm like, wait, well, hold on. Yeah you, yeah, you do. You want me to hear your song. We're just worried that I'm not going to like it. But when you put out your art, and especially when you see the people are listening to it, because that's the beauty of it. If I don't like your podcast, I'm not going to listen to it. I'm, and I'm probably not. I'm too busy to tell you I don't like your podcast. I'm just not going to listen. Mm-hmm. There, there really isn't much spam in podcasting. And people are always worried about like, well, what about the trolls? And I'm like, you know, just don't feed the trolls. I think I have, I've had one in 15 years. And, and the only reason he hated my podcast is because I had a typo on my website. <laughs> it just would not let me live it down. I can't believe what you charge for consulting and you can't even, you don't know the difference between this and that. And I'm like, nobody's hiring me for grammar. You know what I mean? <laughs> so don't worry about uh, the trolls. And, and if people don't like it, they won't listen. And, and if they do, they'll tell a friend. And that's, that's always kind of the fun thing. People start off with, well, nobody's going to listen to me. And then it turns into, oh my gosh, people are listening to me. You know, it's always fun to kind of watch that transformation. And then they get nervous because they're like, maybe you wrote it thinking nobody would listen to it. And now you realize, no, this is out into the world and the internet writes in ink and I can't stop people now from listening to it because it's out there. And that's really what we want. We want people to consume our art. And it's always kind of fun watching people go, yeah, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm up to 400 people. And I'm like, yeah. And then it's like, Think about 400 people. I mean, that's the theater, you know, that are now listening to your show. Right. That's an off-Broadway house. 400 people are now listening to it. Yeah. And I go, and it's people when there's Netflix and Hulu and, you know, HBO and AMFM, Satellite, uh, Xbox, you know, PlayStation, and they chose to listen to you when they could be doing any of those other things. I go, that's pretty cool. And my background's in teaching. So when I hear, you know, 400 people, I go, for me, a full class was, was 20 people. So now I'm like, that's, that's 20 classrooms. So it gets a little crazy. So, and there, and that's why when I went to that PodCon, it was amazing because it was a level of, I don't know if the fandom, maybe um, celebrity where not only did they like the show, they, I mean, they're dressing up as their favorite characters and they're waiting in line for like meet and greets. And I was like, I, I didn't see this in other, you know, I, I didn't see this in any other event and it was amazing. So yeah, that's something I don't think it gets as much play because there aren't, because it's not Conan O'Brien because it's not Mark Maron. It's not president Obama or whatever, you know, but I, I know there are a fair number of, of uh, like you say, kind of like old, old times, you know, radio stories and nonfiction that boy, when people find them, if that's what they're looking for, you know, it's amazing. Yeah, 400 people. It doesn't sound like a lot because, you know, Joe Rogan or Conan O'Brien are getting thousands, if not millions of downloads as they keep going. And this kind of brings me to my next question that I wanted to ask because you started podcasting in 2005 and and that's also the same year that I started uh, auditioning for Broadway shows in New York. And since 2005, you've become this Hall of Fame podcaster. You've had thousands of episodes under your belt, and and you've really become that inspiration and mentor to people within the within the podcasting industry. During that same time, I I've not really won any awards. I'm not. I, I'm kind of still waiting to be on Broadway. I, I've I've had kind of a negligible impact in this industry, and so comparing ourselves to other people and, and, you know, your journey to my journey is, is generally kind of fraught with a lot of disappointment, self-doubt. And so how have you handled that comparison game in, in your own path? I quit looking uh, is the big thing. Cause it's, it's kind of not fair. Let's take uh, John Lee Dumas. Who's a friend of mine. He's a great guy. Uh, army background, super dedicated, super laser focused, uh, has no children has uh, has a, a serious girlfriend kind of slash wife, but but you know has no job. His job is his podcast. So I always say, if you compare him to me at the time I was married, I had three stepkids and a job, you know, and it's like, okay, so why is this guy able to run faster than I can? Oh, I know, I have a job, I have a wife and three stepkids, and this is a serious hobby. To to John, his podcast was his business. So, of course, he's running faster. He doesn't have the other time commitments. And I would look at his income report, and I would like, wow, John made more money in a month than I'm going to make in a year. And it would just suck the absolute life out of me. And again, that's not John's, he's not doing that to make you feel bad. He's doing it to say, look what's possible. Again, you can easily go, well, 
what's he got that I don't have or, or mm-hmm. this and that. And I was just like, and then I would get somebody, uh, Marcy Rosenbaum is a, uh, at the time was kind of a, a housewife, empty nester, wanted to start a podcast, called me up and said, I'm never going to be an Apple podcast because I don't understand technology. And I said, Marcy, I'm going to get you there. Baby step it. Just, you just got to trust me. We're going to get there. And probably two months later, she calls me up crying. I'm like, Marcy, what is wrong? What's going on? She goes, I'm in Apple podcast. I can't believe it. I'm in iTunes. And I said, well, yeah. And she goes, no, you don't understand. I, I, I told you I could do this. And you said I could, and I am. And that's what puts gas in my tank. When I transform somebody from there's no way I can do this to, oh my gosh, I'm in Apple podcast. And that puts more gas in my tank than probably anything. And so I wish John the best. He's a great guy. And uh, same thing with Pat Flynn. Both those guys are, are friends of mine, both great guys, hyper-focused. So what I, I, when I look at them, instead of comparing the money, I compare what are they doing that's working? And then is there something I can do with that to maybe tweak it for my audience? Because I don't want to just copy what they're doing. That's not going to work because there are tons of bands that, you know, back when I was growing up in the, the 70s and 80s that just copied each other and there were all these hair bands. Or if you look at the Beatles or something like that, uh, I had a guy come up at one conference and said, I'm going to be the Dave Jackson of France. And I'm like, more power to you. You know, have fun with that. I said, but I said, I will say you need to come up with your own voice. I said, because nobody's going to out Dave Jackson, Dave Jackson, because it comes to me very naturally. So, very you know, true. come up with your own voice. So, yeah, it's just one of those things. And there are times, anytime I ever start to get down, if I step back and go, okay, what's going on? Why, why am I just not feeling it today? Nine times out of 10, I'm comparing myself to somebody else. Then that's where I just go. I just got to quit doing that. So was there a time that you ever thought of, of quitting podcasting, doing something else? I don't think so, but it's, there've been times when I, I really, you get down. I mean, I I would not be human if I didn't say, I remember when I got my first one-star review, which I now laugh. And I say, you're not a real podcaster until you get at least one, one star review. And I remember it. It's hilarious. I've had, you know, hundreds of positive ones, but I remember uh, a really bad show for a really bad product. That was the one star review, you know, so (laughs) that sticks in your brain, but not the positive ones. Um, And I think I'm lucky enough that I trust the process of podcasting. That if I continue to deliver value and continue to promote what I'm doing, the, the right person will get to the right place or the right opportunity. Uh, right now I work for a podcast hosting company that came about because of my podcast. Um, I do a, a, lo- a local Northeast Ohio podcasters meetup and we've never had more than 10 people. It's weird. We get a, a lot of rotating people there, but it's never more than 10. But one of those people got me on TV for a, a local spot. You know, the, the Sunday morning show at 1030 in the morning that nobody watches. My ten, my dentist did. I thought that was funny because I walked into my dentist. They're like, hey, I saw you on TV last weekend. But <laughs> so, so you never know who's listening. I've had people that have, you know, asked me to speak and all sorts of other fun things because they heard me on a podcast. So I always try to just focus on, for me, it's always like, what can I do to inspire somebody to start a podcast or to take the podcast they already have and make it better? You know, I, I started in one of my very first episodes. I said, I, I'm pretty sure podcasting is going to change the world. And I think that's probably what gets me through any kind of downtimes. I'm like, no, no, there's, there's magic right around the corner. Something's going to happen that's going to put gas in my tank. And in some cases, there are shows um, that I've just quit doing because I just, the passion wasn't there. Uh, my very, very first podcast was for musicians. It was called The Marketing Musician. And I did it for uh, almost 11 years. And the music industry had changed so much. I wasn't playing in a band anymore. And how many times can you say, listen to your audience, pay your bar tab and, you know, market yourself nonstop. And I was just, I just ran out of things to say. And so I just kind of signed off. I said, thank you for 11 great years. You know, mass cheers, Seinfeld. Some of these things do come to an end eventually. Right. And I just, I just lost the passion and went, okay, let's start a podcast about this now. So. So you brought up the fact that you are a musician, you play guitar yeah. yourself, and so you're no stranger to the stage. Do you, you did play in a local band there in Ohio? Oh, yeah. I played since uh, probably from the age of 15 to about 45. Okay. I was always, I mean, I've played everything from Ozzy and heavy metal to swing and blues. I was in a really good country band for a while, which I was pretty sure was like 
one of the signs of Armageddon was like, you know, the horsemen will ride, blah, blah, blah. And Dave Jackson will play in a country band. Cause I am not, but I, I listened to it. I'm like, this isn't country. It's, it's boogie with a twang. And they're like, no, it's new country. And I'm like, well, I can play that. So I did that. Uh, and then it's funny because now when I see advertisements, like looking for guitarist in a, uh, a blues slash rock band, I'm like, Oh, that's me. And then it's like ages, you know, 22 to 35. And I'm like 54. And they're like, why is grandpa calling on the ad? So, um, <laughs> and about the time I, I really start to miss it. There's a, uh, there's a couple places around. They'll have like local jam nights and I'll grab my amp and my guitar and I'm lugging everything out to the car. And I'm like, Oh, this is the part I, I, you know, I don't miss this so much. The whole lugging the gear around and this and that. So right, I still going play gig to gig. Yeah. Yeah. And putting up with people going, do you guys know Mustang Sally? You know, do you know the electric slide? And they're completely hammered and you know, <laughs> that whole nine yards. It's like, Oh yeah. I was just going to say, so what is it that you, that you love about music and, and performing? Same thing. I think inspiring people. Um, I remember uh, what, the one band I was in, we're kind of a blues band and they just had one where they're just like, okay, we're going to let our guitar player go nuts for a bit. And we, we would play some Stevie Ray Vaughan and there's kind of a slow blues song of his called uh, Texas flood. And I remember uh, just, I would just go into a zone for lack of a better phrase. I would just close my eyes when it came time to the solo and whatever was in my heart. I mean, I was playing from my toes and it came out through my fingers and I would get done. And it, I, I looked like I had been bathed in like somebody threw a bucket of water on me. It was, it was just really a physical, emotional thing. Hmm. But the cool thing was, is I would put that out and I would just, this is one of those where like, I'm just going all in. If it, if I fall on my face, I fall on my, I'm just going to, you know, I'm, I remember this one time I was purposely trying to break a string. I'm like, I'm going to bend these strings and it's just going to make the guitar groan and moan. And if I pop a string, I pop a string, but I want this thing to sound like it's in pain. And I remember before the solo was over, people are already like, all right, look at that guy go, you know? And I, I just got done. I was like, yeah. And I just remember guys coming up to me and saying, you know what, I just had the crappiest Friday ever at my job, and I'm so glad I came out. And he goes, I, you know, where are you guys playing next? Because I got to hear you play the guitar some more. And that, to me, is like, all right, cool. That's, that, for me, is, was worth much more than the 50 bucks and you know, free tacos I got or whatever to, to play. Yeah, because it, it is such a personal endeavor to play the guitar like that. Yeah. But at the same time, what meant the most is to then get the reaction of the, of the applause. I think that's it. That's a good point. I think we're all applause junkies in the end. <laughs> uh, I mean, if you think about it, if somebody is applauding, you've moved them in some way. Mm-hmm. Like if, if I'm not going bravo, it's because I didn't feel it. So it's a transference of, of energy, of feelings, whatever it is. But you send it out there. And when it bounces off the back wall and comes back at you, it's, it hits you. And that's, that's the cool part. Now, for you, as you said, you had that musicians podcast, and not all of your podcasts have been about podcasting and technology. Right. You have one called Building a Better Dave. Yeah, yeah. that's my that's my therapy. It's so much <laughs> cheaper than therapy. Right. So how is the building going? Uh it's getting there. It's kind of funny. It's it's one of those shows. I'm gonna say I get 180 downloads an episode if I'm lucky. You know, it's because it's, I break every rule. There's no set schedule. So I'm not like, I can't be part of your routine because you never know when's one's coming. And it's usually me. I always say, I try to make you laugh, cry, think, or groan. And so it's just me kind of stepping outside of me or looking at society. Uh, When I lived in Cleveland, I was in a a rather unhappy marriage for for much longer than I should have been. And I had nobody to talk to. All my friends lived in Akron, which was weird because it's an hour away. But it just, they might as well have been in Spain. I mean, it's like they're in another country. And I would just get on. I'm like, I feel this, I do that. And this is weird. And this is what I'm thinking. And I would just put it out there. And then people like, you know what? I've I've been where you're at. Hang in there. It's going to get better. Or it's something wacky story. Like I did a, a, a story. I was at a church and... I believe the phrase is Pentecostal. It was this big, huge mental church, but they do the whole speaking in tongues. And mm-hmm. I'm not here to judge anybody. You do, you worship however you want to worship if you're going to worship. And, uh, but I was like, they're, they're explaining like, Hey, the, the Holy spirit wants to, to give you this thing. And I'm like, all right, that's not how I was raised. But you know, if it's going to give it's, if it's going to take me to a new level and an understanding of the universe and God, I'm all for it. And to make a long story short, if you hear people speak in tongues, it, it's, it's a little different. It's a lot of times it's just noise ish, whatever. Mm-hmm. 
And this person is here and she's like, she's, she's praying with me. She goes, just, just let it out. Just let it out. And I'm listening around and people are like, and I'm like, okay, I'm trying. And I'm like, all right, here we go. Nothing. Here we go. And nothing. I'm like, and I'm here. So I finally, I'm like, okay, now I have peer pressure. Cause I have this woman in front of me going, go ahead, let it out, let it out. And I just went, uh, Scalamouche, uh, uh, do, do you do the Fandango? Because I'm did like, you, I got nothing. Did you really say that? I did that. I actually did Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> <laughs> and she bought it, you know, and then she's like, there you go. And I'm like, all right, all right, am I done now? So oh, that was just a story. Um, I'll probably do one. I'm mm. deathly afraid of heights, and I just went up in a hot air balloon. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, that's quite a. Yeah. But like another one that's a little more serious, and it's weird because I always say deliver value to your audience. And these are half the time I'm just. It's just me talking, but uh, at the balloon thing, I got just chewed by mosquitoes. And you know, like when you're, I don't know, ten, you get a mosquito bite. A day and a half later, it's gone. And it took like two weeks for a mosquito <laughs> bite to heal. And I'm like, what is up with this? And I'm buying all this anti-itch cream and you know, blah blah. And it dawned on me, I'm like, oh yeah, uh, guess what? You're 50. You know, you're in your 50s, and you know, I always hear how things take longer when you get older. And I'm like. Oh, well, well, I guess that's where I am now. And it's one of those things where it's just a little mirror that you go, you know, you're, we, we're all getting older, but every now and then something comes along and goes, hello, guess what? Yeah, you're getting old. And you're like, oh, yeah, I, I kind of forgot that. So that to me, if I can come up and take that process and maybe throw in a couple jokes, something to make you, you know, and then my, my message to my audience would be, you know, hug your kids, hug your, hug your wife, be nice to each other. Cause guess what? We're all getting old. So it's a very small audience that for whatever reason wants to climb in the brain of Dave Jackson. And so anytime <laughs> I'm live, there's always one in the back going, when's the next better Dave coming out? And I'm like, I got nothing to say. So, well, I think it's so important to have that other side of ourselves. Like you're Mr. Podcaster, but you also have all these other thoughts and ideas and life experiences. And it's the same with us in theater. It's like it can kind of consume us. And, you know, all we do is see shows. We go to classes. We go to auditions. We, we're, we're trying to book the next job. You know, all these things. And yet our lives are still, I'm, I'm married, so I have that to do. I have all these other hobbies and interests, and, and now I have this podcasting. I have other things in my life besides acting, so I think it's important that we're a well-rounded person in whatever we're doing. Yeah, the biggest mistake I made when I first got into podcasting is everything I loved, I created a podcast about. So I started the School of Podcasting. I started Weekly Web Tools because I was designing websites. I started a weight loss show, which has been hilarious because I lose weight and then I gain it. Then I lose weight, then I gain it. Then I lose weight, then I gain it. And I've had people like, you inspire me because you don't quit. And I'm like, inspiring people through failure, the Logical Weight Loss Podcast. Uh, and then I had the musician show and then I just started building a day, better Dave because I'm like, well, sometimes I want to say something but it has nothing to do with any of these topics. And I'm like, well, this one will be an open canvas to say whatever I want. And I don't recommend that because uh, I would, looking back, I would have much rather done one really, really good show instead of four that were like, eh, all right, you know, yeah. so, cause they all take a lot of time if you're going to do them right. So, and that's why people go, well, how do you, how do you do so many shows now? And I'm like, I don't have any kids. I don't have, any, I don't have a wife anymore. You're, you're not John Lee Dumas. Yeah, exactly. I can run as fast as that guy now. So, yeah. uh, and that's fine. I, I have, I have a brother and I have a bunch of nieces and nephews and I always make time for them. Uh, but I do realize if I'm ever going to really think about having a serious relationship, I got to cut some of these back because they do take up a lot of time. Oh, I bet. I bet. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you taking the time with us today to, uh, to share your thoughts and, and kind of inform me and also inform all of you that it's, uh, you know, podcasting is, is another avenue for us and it's another way for us to uh, show our creativity. That's it. People always ask, why, Dave, do you podcast? So for me, it's, yeah, it's kind of techie, so it scratches my tech side. Um, I get to help people. So it scratches my, my teacher itch, but the big one is it's creative. I can do whatever I want. And so there, there really are no rules. So sometimes I mix in sound effects. Sometimes I don't, um, you know, sometimes I make my own weird commercials, uh, you know, I, I, all sorts of stuff. So if you've got a creative itch to, to scratch podcasting is a, a great way to scratch it. And the, the beautiful thing is you don't have to go anywhere. 
Like you can reach a, it's a great way to meet thousands of people without meeting thousands of people. I am sitting in my bedroom as we speak. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. <yes. laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much, Dave. It's been a joy talking to you. Patrick, thanks for having me on. This was great. So what do you think of podcasting? Is it something you may want to try yourself? Well, Dave Jackson is certainly someone to listen and follow as you get started down the path of podcasting. After the interview, Dave and I continued to talk, and I wanted to share a little bit of the insights that he gave even after our conversation had ended. I really, I just love talking about podcasting, you know, and I've never thought of it from an actor's point of view. And I was like, well, this is a different slant. So, and that's really why I wanted to bring you on because I was like, you know, just like I started this podcast, I'm sure there's other people who listen to my show who think, well, maybe I could do that. And so to spur that idea in their head. And a lot of, I have people that start podcasts. They're like, well, there are three other shows about my topic, but nobody's talking about blank. Mm-hmm. It's like, these aren't bad, but I want to talk about this and nobody's doing that. And yeah. so they started something else. So Yeah, because when it comes to theater podcasts, especially here in New York, there's a bunch talking about the theater community. Pretty much the big ones, all they do is just interview Broadway stars. They might bring on some TV people, but they just interview and just talk about that. But I want to be like, well, not all of us are big stars. Some of us are really struggling to, to make this. Yeah. How do I handle making it through two callbacks and still not getting the job or whatever <laughs> it was? Exactly. You're exactly. like, man, it was this close. As always, thank you for joining me and Dave today. For more information about him, you can go to schoolofpodcasting.com. That link, as well as a link to a mega episode that he did about hosting and guesting podcast interviews. It's a great episode. It's one that I learned a lot from myself. So that link is in the show notes. And if you enjoyed listening to this conversation today as much as I love talking today, then please share this podcast with those who you think would enjoy and benefit from conversations like these. And if you have any questions or comments that you'd like to reach out to me, you can do that at the website, contact.winmepodcast.com, or directly via email, it at gmail.com. Well, let's get together again next week as we talk more about this business, and I'll be doing a feature on sign language for the theater. That'll be next time on Why I'll Never Make It. Most enterprises use disparate systems to manage spend. The result? A reactive manual approach. CFOs and controllers, you deserve better. You deserve a unified spend platform from Brex. Brex makes it easy to proactively control spend with cards, spend management, travel, and bill pay in one place. You can create budgets with controls built in, track and adjust in real time to keep teams accountable, and automate compliance to close the books faster. Ready to control your spend with one unified platform? Visit Brex.com. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.